Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss double, double extortion and trouble. Blackbyte ransomware uses new data theft tool for double extortion. Next up, old gremlin new tricks. One of the few ransomware groups attacking Russian corporate networks has expanded its toolkit with file encrypting malware for Linux machines. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 136, recorded on October 24th, 2022. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. Is the bark worse than the black bite, LaBelle? With me, co-host Taylor, there's someone on the wing, Wilkes Pierce. And last but not least, Tim, bite me, with a Y, of course, Helming. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, all. How's it going? Good. Kelsey, extra style points for the breaking badness. <laughs> a breaking little great drill. Scott. Yes. Where do you learn these things? Grrrcon. <laughs> ah, Never letting was, that go. Yes. That's, that's very good. What? Did we ever discover what the second R in the Grand Rapids con is? Grand Rapids. So GRR is the airport code. For Grand oh. And, you know, it's real popular to refer to places by their airport codes these days, uh, as everybody who lives in PDX knows. Uh, someone in <laughs> CMH, I would agree with that. <laughs> well, I went to Deadwood for the Wild, Wild West Hacking Fest, and there is no airport there. <laughs> yeah, well, Wild West Hacking Fest is a, is a pretty cool con name, so I think yeah. we don't need to rely on uh, the, airport. Yeah, <laughs> the airport. You brought market. the fly with you. Taylor. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what a lot of people don't realize is PDX is also the designator of Portland's train station. So I guess you can sort of decide which one you personally are aligned with when you uh, when you are a PDX resident who refers to it as PDX. That tracks. And it's funny to me as somebody who is a Portlander, <laughs> a Portland native. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh these are TSA approved jokes. Um, it's just, it's, is it not a normal thing to do elsewhere? Like this is the first time I'm looking in the mirror because I do refer to port, refer to Portland as PDX on a frequent yeah. enough basis. SFO. It's the same thing. Like a okay. lot of people, you hear a lot of SFO, but you don't, you know, Atlanta, nobody says Yeah. I'm from ATL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Close friends said, that. please don't, don't I... say that anymore, especially hot Atlanta. <laughs> that is very much out. Yeah. They, Hotlanta, Frisco, uh, what other uh, completely lame city names can we come up with? I hear cringing that, that from our audience. Like anybody sure. in those locales, like this is cringe fest 2022. I, I mean, it, at least we're putting them down, though, instead of using them in earnest. Yeah, that's true. Funny story. I met someone named Ernest this weekend, and he was, in fact, Ernest. Like truth in advertising, for sure. Oh, the one I know is kind of a wise ass, but <laughs> the one I know there's... went to college and went to jail and <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey Vern, it's great to have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents. Well, should we talk about what the haps has been in the infosec space this last uh, week or so? We could do that. 
I guess we could. I mean, why not? This week on Making People Cringe. (laughs) Sponsored by. Ooh. I don't know if that would be an extremely popular or unpopular podcast, but but anyway, um, we should let's... we should decide. By the way, just as an aside, you know, along with because we we are uh, endorsed by Tom Hanks and he's a friend of the show. Yep, we should similarly <laughs> aspire to who we want to uh, to sponsor us. You know, who's who's the ultimate sponsor for Breaking Badness? Mm, like, if Breaking Badness could be a person out in the world, who would Breaking Badness be? Well, that's a that's a question too. But I'm just thinking like our our corporate sponsor that's gonna gonna fund our annual planning trip to Bali and so forth. <laughs> you know, the generous the generous corporate sponsor that we need to start courting. Mm. 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 Well, I'm sure they'll reach out to us. I don't think we need to work through any. That's people. true. The offers will probably just start rolling in. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm seeing Not emails popping right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's possible because this is pre-recorded, but they're still they're still coming in. <laughs> Those are all just fishing attempts. <laughs> they sensed a uh, disturbance in the forest. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like getting, somewhere getting someone needs money. <laughs> <laughs> Let us leave it to that. Yes. Yes. Oh, golly. Well, let's let's earn our keep here. Um, so our first article of today is Double Double Extortion Trouble. Or excuse me, Double Double Extortion and Trouble. And um, of course, I'm going to do that again in the stadium voice. Double, 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 double extortion, extortion and, and trouble. trouble. Um, so a BlackBite ransomware affiliate is using a new custom data stealing tool called XByte to steal data from compromised Windows devices quickly. Um, I have to, you know, hats off to maintaining their brand identity here between BlackBite and XByte. Uh, but more importantly, Tim, maybe let's start with a quick overview of Data Xfil and its important in double extortion attacks. Well, certainly. And uh, just to set the context here, double extortion ransomware, which has been <gasps> popular for a few years now. <laughs> Is Is that in budget? (laughs) (laughs) We already got the funding, Taylor. Don't ask any questions. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Okay. So it's a method where the malware does two things. Uh, It encrypts target files, uh, which is the first extortion candidate, and it exfiltrates data into the hands of the malicious actors where they usually threaten to sell it or post it on underground forums. That's the second method of extortion. Uh, I actually heard something interesting about this at the MYS conference last week, by the way. So some folks in the security community are starting to see ransomware actors not even bother with encryption and just go straight to the exfiltration part. But anyway, so exfil used to be the second method. Now, perhaps it's the first one in some cases, but or the only one. But that anyhow, this what we're talking about today seems to be a traditional double extortion scheme. Oh my gosh, encryption is so 2021. <laughs> For real. Wow, fantastic. Tim, I'm so impressed with he is he has surprised us with this uh, Yeah, there's a new toy. audio effect. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Tim, the way you used to do this, I feel is using ridiculous fonts in the show notes. Oh, that's right. Which you haven't yeah, done in a actually, while. Actually, it's the right time of year because it was kind of a Halloween, you know, the to sit to paint the the picture for those who are hearing this on audio, which would be 100% of the audience. Uh, it was one of those Halloween fonts that looks like it's kind of melted wax dripping down. I believe it's called Creepster. Creep, yeah. That's too scary what for was, me. I won't look at it. Yeah, it is. It's a little, 
It's a little terrifying. <laughs> I don't remember what word I used to always use that on. Was it malware? No, it was. Oh, gosh. Uh, it'll oh, come back gosh. to us at it some will. point. If I yeah. see it in the if I see anything in the font, it will probably trigger via like yeah. muscle memory or something what, what yeah. that was. Um, very good, very good. <laughs> well, Tim, and um, yeah, M Wise, I know you were, you've been on the road a lot, so it's Taylor, as you mentioned, with Wild West Second Fest. And Tim, you are gone, and then you went and spoke at, at MYS on domain blooms and such. Um, which sounds like it was it was a lot of fun. We all we all had FOMO. We wish we could have been there with you. Yeah, it was, they were great. And and I will say that those are both two really awesome conferences, very different in nature um, and both impressive in their own way. So Gurkhan is a real kind of a scrappy hacker oriented con um, with also a lot of students there, which was amazing to see. Uh, there are a lot of extremely sharp people interested in coming into this field. So we love that. And um, there were, I, I could not, unfortunately, go to any of the talks because uh, I was busy repping the DT, but, uh, which, was, which was great because I got to meet a ton of people. But apparently the talks were really good, too. So, yeah, so highly recommend it if, you're, if it's not too hard for you to get to GRR next year. Consider putting Gurkhan on the list. And then MY is totally different. Some of you might know it as the uh, Mandiant Cyber Defense Summit, or some of you going back even farther might know it as Mircon. It's all the same thing, but now it's MYs under the Google banner. Um, that's in D.C. A lot of um, executive folks, a lot of C-suite people represented there, both on stage and in the audience. Um, they always get heavy hitters, like Jen Easterly of SZA gave one of the closing keynotes, which... Very sadly, I was not able to attend. I was already back in Seattle. Um, Kevin Mandia himself always kicks it off. Uh, he's got interesting observations every year. Um, and then various folks, usually fairly high up in the likes of the NSA or the executive branch and so forth, um, cabinet level folks, not uncommonly. And um, so really, really interesting conference. Very, very different in nature from GERCON. So they were both great. You know, I've always imagined it'd be a, a an amazing power move um, if you're trying to build awareness of the acquisition there of, of Mandiant by Google. Someone being like, Ugh, who owns Mandiant again? I'd be like, maybe you should Google it. And that's that's just what you'd say. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, very good. Uh, those shows are always a lot of fun. I'm glad you got to meet some cool people and share the good word on, on Domain Blooms. Uh, but next question on this, Tim... You know, who made this discovery with good old X-Byte? Sure, yeah. The, the kudos in this case go to the Threat Hunter team at Symantec. And, you know, it's been a number of years now where Symantec has, has done really great work in uncovering different kinds of threat groups and carrying out analysis on them. And um, so they have, uh, they have this group that um, understands malware. They understand... Um, uh, threat actor groups and how it all fits together. And they've got a lot of different expertise on detections and so forth. So anyway, hat tip to Symantec. I'd like for us to actually send kudo bars to these folks. Like, do they still oh, even yeah. make those? I have no idea. Hmm. 
sound still delicious. Hundred thousand dollar bars? Well, hundred grand. Hundred grand. Well, uh, this is the season to know about. Not it, with the it? inflation that we've had now. They're like going to be hundred twenty yeah. grand bars now. <laughs> oh, at least uh, they were hundred grand bars in the eighties. They're probably million dollar bars now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, should have invested while I could. You know. That's right. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I just ate the profit instead. Well, Tim, what are the functions of the XByte data XFIL tool? Yeah, th this thing is essentially built for speed. So the goal is to get the exfiltration done as swiftly and reliably as possible. So one of the things that I thought was interesting here is that the XFIL target, where it's sent to, is the mega.co.nz uh, cloud storage site. And Mega, a lot of people are probably familiar with it. It's legit. Um, there has been plenty of sketchy stuff on there over the years. And really, <laughs> what can you expect with a free upload-download site? But it's not specifically criminal as such. Uh, the Tay, folks can't I see I, your air quotes around legit. <laughs> they can't see it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, but whomst among us has not pulled down something, uh, some obscure piece of software that we actually <laughs> needed from Mega. Uh, I won't, uh, I won't cast any stones here, but yeah. It, it, and the, the thing about that's smart about doing that, by the way, one of the things that's smart about it is if folks are doing egress filtering, if they're not blocking Mega, then, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not like some random domain that was set up specifically to be the exfiltration target. It's one that could maybe hide in within the legit traffic, especially if you're in a larger environment where maybe there's benign traffic to mega. Okay. I'm going out on a limb here a little bit. <laughs> uh, honestly, if I were the CISO, I would have long ago, I would have blocked all traffic to mega, like come, come and prove to me why you need to get to that site. But anywho, um, so yeah, I think, I think there probably are plenty of shops out there that are blocking mega, uh, across the board, which would be helpful to them right about now. Well, Tim, the article mentions that the tool performs checks to see if it's running on a sandbox environment. So what would happen if it were actually what would happen if it actually were running in that environment? Well, not much, actually, <laughs> which is so this has been a common thing that a lot of malware has done ever since not that long after sandboxing became a popular defensive tool. So and that's been, oh, gosh, at least 10 years, maybe a little more when um, and in fact, uh, FireEye was one of the early companies that did this on an uh, edge device where they um, take attachments and so forth and create a little sandbox to run them in and see what they do and then make a decision about whether to allow that attachment into the environment or not. So anyway, what the malware authors are doing is attempting to prevent detection of the malware and tipping their hand that way. So uh, there are a bunch of files and processes that it looks for to make the determination about whether it's in a sandbox. So there, they, there are a lot of examples in the articles that you can see on this SXIN.dll, AVG hook A, AVG hook X, P store C, Durwatch, a whole bunch of other DLLs that are um, associated with analyzers, debuggers, uh, etc. So the uh, these kind of, hey, what the heck kind of environment am I in checks are very routine for malware uh, of the modern sort. And so then if it's not in a sandbox, it sets up shop with tooling to do the different functional things it has to do. Like it'll shut down different kinds of alerting to bypass EDR. It'll disable the local 
host firewall rules. Um, it'll look for the target files. It'll get the upload path established, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you asked what happens if it's in a sandbox. And the answer is it, it basically kind of goes quiet, doesn't do anything. I'm awaiting some threat actor to have like an exe or something that's called like cat pissing in sandbox or something like that yeah. like playing off it um i don't condone the behavior but i'm just saying it would make for a good podcast material okay i'm gonna be right yeah. back i'm just putting production in the sandbox <laughs> <laughs> oh wowza well tim one final question here on this topic xbyte's creator is of course Blackbyte. so what do we know about this group well, yeah, again, according to Symantec, uh, Blackbyte is a RAS or ransomware as a service operation that uh, has been run by a cybercrime group that they call Hecamede. And uh, we first saw wide attention to this group back in February of 2022 when the FBI issued an alert stating that Blackbyte had been used to attack multiple entities in the U.S., including uh, organizations in at least three critical infrastructure sectors. They didn't get specific uh, back on that. But um, so in recent months, um, they're saying that uh, Blackbyte has become one of the more frequently used payloads in ransomware attacks. So um, and then if we look back a little further, yeah, it was February when it got that widespread attention. But they, this gang uh, seems to have emerged um, originally back in July of 2021 when it began Exploiting, exploiting vulnerabilities to target various corporate victims around the world. Um, and they did have some initial success in hitting manufacturing and healthcare and construction industries, for example, in the US and Europe and Australia. Uh, things did get less fun for the Blackbyte crew when the good folks at Trustwave released a free decryption tool. But as we can see, they've been uh, evolving their tooling. And finally, you know, we'll give the usual... Attribution is hard, uh, disclaimer, but there is some decent evidence kind of pointing back to Russia for this group. They, uh, uh, as we've seen in other cases, their tooling has been uh, coded not to encrypt the data on systems that use Russian or uh, Russian adjacent CIS uh, uh, languages. But uh, that is somewhat speculative. And since it's ransomware as a service, obviously, for any given attack, the malicious actors could be very uh, varied. So there you have it. Well, there you have it, folks. Well, I think it's <clears throat> it's time to consider the overall risk here. Um, see how much the bites bite. And we use our hoodie rating scale to do that. If this is the first time you're tuning in, or this is new to you, or you have forgotten, uh, we do a zero to 10 scale. 10 hoodies is very bad. Zero is closer to neutral. And we are playing off the cliche of a hacker in a hoodie. How many hackers does it take to change a light bulb? All right, Taylor, why don't you go first? What would you what would you rate this at? Uh, it doesn't feel super earth shattering. Kind of seems like the like a very uh, plausible evolution of someone trying to monetize stuff faster. Uh, we'll go four and a half hoodies with like a extra zipper, the full full zippers from both sides. So there's a zipper on the back. of Just the hanging out. No, the, the zipper is actually totally zipped up, but the half of the hoodie is missing. I'm imagining cargo pants, but a hoodie. Like you can zip on the bottom half of a cropped hoodie if you'd like. <laughs> yep. It's a modular yep. hoodie, if you will. I like that. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to Bill Belichick following up on last week's conversation oh and see if he'd be interested. There's our there's our corporate sponsor. There's right our there. corporate. Hey Bill. It's just just uh, Bill Belichick. All that money you've been saving on hoodies. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tim. What what do you think here? Well, I'm actually gonna go a little bit lower, which I hope I'm not underplaying this in a dangerous kind of way. But here's the thing: like, I hope people are blocking Mega, and I suspect that a lot of a lot of companies are, um, like we were talking about, it is kind of sketchy. And that is a mitigation here uh, to some extent. So um, now, having said that, of course, uh, if people ha- are infected and they're not sitting behind some gateway device that's blocking that, then because of the firewall disabling effects that it has, maybe they're still going to succeed. And naturally, with work from home, um, that's probably, you know what? I think I'm talking myself into making it a higher rating. <laughs> so, uh, four hoodies. Four um, hoodies. Four hoodies. But the uh, the interesting thing is that it's actually eight top halves of hoodies. <laughs> you know, just to, just to yeah. mix things up a little bit. Yeah. That Part-time right. hacking. <laughs> We've been hacking the hoodies. Yeah. The hoodies have been hacked. Alrighty, Tim. Well, fantastic analysis as well as a, a thank you too for keeping us in the loop about how MY's Grrrcon and a Taylor Rao Wild West Hackenfest went this year. We'll be back in just a moment for the second part of our episode. Stick with us. Hello there, Breaking Badness listener. Thanks for dropping by and spending a little time with us. And if you are enjoying what you're hearing, Will you consider doing a couple of things? One of them is tell a friend about Breaking Badness. Maybe if they're in the security game, or even if they're not, but they think what you do is awfully interesting, well, maybe they'll think Breaking Badness is too. So uh, share us with a friend or two. And if you don't mind, we'd love to have you drop us a review and a rating as well on your favorite podcast platform. So thank you so much from all of us at Breaking Badness. And now let's get back to the show. Well, let's talk about old gremlin, new tricks. Um, and Taylor, I, I don't know if Kelly reached out to you ahead of time, but you're going to have to use that voice in all of your answers. So p- please consider that. Otherwise, we're oh, just going to no. start all over. Oh, um, no. <laughs> but old gremlin is one of the few <laughs> ransomware groups attacking Russian corporate networks. And they've expanded its tool, their toolkit with file encrypting malware for Linux machines. So, Taylor, we have a... Sp- Spooky sounding group we're talking about. So, mm-hmm. uh, what can you tell us about Old Gremlin? Today? Yeah, Old Gremlin. That that's it. That's all you. Really <laughs> totally worth uh, it. Old Old Gremlin, and which I will say that the uh, like the the research group that you know posted the big hundred and thirteen page uh, PDF on Old Gremlin did make a you know don't feed them after lock night. <laughs> joke which is great uh it shows that someone out there has seen gremlin and gremlins too the new batch uh and, and you know hopefully someone's out there making a gremlins 3 i can't believe that we can get a thousand marvel movies but i can't get a gremlins 3 um 
But in any event, I digress. Old Gremlin is a, uh, a hacker group, uh, a threat actor group uh, that has been identified for targeting Russian companies. So uh, all, all over the different uh, finance and oil and natural gas and, and what have you, different sectors in Russia, they have targeted exclusively Russian companies uh, over the last couple of years. So they were first uh, kind of doxed in 2020 and then have kind of continued their operations operations apace uh, into 2022. Most recently, uh, they popped up in August of this year. So they popped up in March, June, and August of this year, targeting Russian uh, Russian companies with, uh, with ransomware. As you mentioned, they initially targeted just Windows machines because, of course, um, but they have recently uh, done some expansion of their skills and have uh, re-architected some of their uh, tooling to target Linux machines as well. I have a lot of follow-up questions when it comes to your love of the Gremlin films. Uh-huh, yep. Um, did you watch these? I'm trying to remember where they came out. Are these are these for children? Like, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely... Who is the audience of these Gremlin films? Yeah, you know, I think mostly for kids in the 80s and basically nobody else, I think, is the... <laughs> Ultimate. Does that? I think that tracks. <laughs> oh my, that's that's hilarious. Um, maybe I, I was honestly trying to Google pop culture references for Gremlin, and I just saw the images, and all I could think about were Furbies from back. They're in the very Furby esque. Yeah, mm. definitely. Have Have you not seen Gremlins? No, I just had a Written Furby by, by Chris uh, Columbus. Yeah, uh, yeah. Phoebe Cates. There used to be. I I worked with guys who used to hack Furbies and they did that both not oh just with software, but also literally. So there were like these skeletal Furbies. They had all the fur <gasps> off of them and they were sitting around in our office years ago. They were like, they were lined up on a shelf. And let me tell you, they do look pretty creepy. Uh, well, like some probably find them creepy no matter what, but especially when they have been skinned <laughs> and they are <laughs> skeletal. Wow, Furbies. <laughs> Furbies, watch out. I know. Yeah. I know what I'm going to be having nightmares about tonight. Skeletal Furbies. I mean, those sounds they made are kind of disturbing. Anyway, I, I, were they supposed to sound cute? Because they were, they were creepy noises. You I know thought. what's so brilliant about the Furby is they they profited off the need to silence them. Like, they had special little sleeping quarters that, like, spoke with the the light that was on their forehead to shut them up, to like make them go night night. And I was just like, Oh, wow. that works with chickens too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly. So did you have to turn the light? You, you, it, you made it dark to make them go to sleep. I assume. I assume. Well, it had like a little assumptively. Um, let's hope this actually did something. There was like, a. um, it was akin to oh, who's that character on Star Trek that had the really cool eyewear that Jordan LaForge. Yes. Yeah. It was like that. It like went over and then there was like a beam, like a light, because it had they were battery operated that I yeah. think signaled something to the Furby creature that it was it's time for napping. Yeah, it probably just had a photo cell inside it. No, the way it works with a chicken is apparently <laughs> if you can get the chicken to hold still enough and put your finger on its, like, kind of its forehead, it'll 
it'll shut down, it'll go to sleep. And the reason is that the pineal gland is apparently very close to the skull of the chicken, which itself is translucent. And so if you block out the light, the pineal gland is the gland that says, hey, it's dark, it's time to go to sleep. And um, so there you go, a little chicken trivia here on uh, the farm edition of Breaking Badness. <laughs> the Hunter's Almanac by Tim Helming. Um, wow. I've never heard a sentence start with, that works on chickens, too. I'll be honest. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, okay. I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about this or the creepy Furby zombies if I don't ask you, Taylor about <laughs> old gremlin and yeah. you know who they are about the research group who's been looking into this gang of old yeah. gremlin <laughs> I, there's a lot of interesting stuff there first and foremost the fact that the movie gremlins kind of invented the pg-13 rating uh <laughs> there's only pg and r and so <laughs> <laughs> Just got to do more fun facts now. So the old Gremlin group, uh, you know, uh, obviously they they are thought to be native Russian speakers uh, based off of their targeting. They do a lot of the similar things you would see from a lot of the ransomware groups. Like, hey, we use phishing pretexts, really well crafted phishing pretexts uh, to get initial access. You know, we use our Cobalt Strike uh, for kind of moving laterally. And then they've got a whole host of tools that they have built themselves all under like the tiny moniker. So there's like, um, let's see here. <laughs> Sorry. The tiny stuff was, was really funny for me. Uh, it was tiny, uh, tiny link, tiny box, tiny, uh, HTA, tiny scout, tiny posh, tiny node, tiny fluff, tiny shell, tiny shot, tiny WCM extractor, not nearly as exciting as the other tool, um, tiny killer, uh, tiny isolator, and then tiny crypt for their encryption. <laughs> uh, so wow. you know, it's interesting that they target Russian businesses. Uh, that is, you know, a lot of ransomware groups kind of operate out of uh, either Russia or RAS uh, areas and therefore generally do not strike close to home to avoid getting the attention of the authorities there in Russia. Uh, and so these, the tiny, the old gremlin and all their tiny tools, uh, they kind of buck that trend a little bit and, and go directly after uh, the, the orgs there. And then the the group itself that that published this report is Group IB, uh, who's been they've been around for a long time. They will tell you now that they are based out of Singapore. Uh, they are born out of Russia, however, right? So you their their like founder is actually sitting in jail in Russia right now. Uh, he got swept up for uh, treason charges uh, back in September of 2021, uh, and so it looks like a lot of their folks have decamped and now uh, operate out of Singapore. Wow. Yeah. Group IB, I know, has come up a number of times on this podcast. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. Um, when was that development, Taylor, in terms of um, that gentleman being jailed in Russia? Is that relatively was, recent or old news? Uh, last year, about a year ago. So not, not super recent, but also not old news. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oof. Rough, I'm sure. Yeah, that's, that's tough news. Um, they do. I know they've done a lot of interesting research over the years. Um, the article mentions that the group uses a self-development toolkit 
Is there anything unique about it that separates it from from the other toolkits? And I'm, I'm of course, speaking of the, the Gremlin, the old Gremlin folks, not ID. Yeah, the old Gremlin folks, again, like they'll use their own custom tooling uh, to evade detection when needed, but then they'll use uh, kind of the standard stuff that we see. Cobalt Strike, Proc Dump, uh, you know, all kinds of other different tooling that, that you see used a lot. Uh, and again, they do a lot of like phishing for initial access grabbing uh, and then all the using all of their tools in conjunction with whatever they need um, to get after their their targets files. And Taylor, I got a little excited and ahead of myself talking about toolkits. I intended to ask you about what type of campaigns Old Gremlin has launched this year. Yeah, so uh, just this year, they've uh, they've pretended to be a financial organization, a consulting group, uh, you know, some real estate organizations, uh, some uh, some of the new financial uh, <laughs> uh, like uh, crypto coin uh, folks, uh, and then you know also targeting. Uh, Again, consulting groups, uh, pretending to be consulting groups. They're just uh, playing dress up. A lot, right? I mean, it um, is almost Halloween. Absolutely. And I've, I bet they've got their gremlin costumes ready. Surely. I've been wearing a gremlin costume all year. Nobody's even said anything. It's it's a little upsetting. <laughs> we thought it was strange, but, you know, we were like, well, that's just the style, I suppose. They kind of uh, consulted with each other and decided an intervention wasn't needed because, you know, it's not affecting your uh, your excellent work here. So no. Why mess with success? Especially Thank you with, like, for your, your support. Work. Yeah, it, it's, it clearly gets you into character. <laughs> I'm worried that my gremlin voice is turning more and more into like a a, a smoker pirate you know, just like, oh, yeah. it's uh, that's I feel like where it's smoker pirate sounds like another ransomware gang. Actually, so <laughs> yeah. I think we we'll should start about a bunch of year. stories about the smoker pirate. The smoker gang. pirate. That would be a funny. My an old colleague I had did this one person show called Techlandia that was really funny. And one of the games in the show was they put a bunch of um, kind of like buzzwords into a fishbowl. And somebody would come and pick three of them, and that would be their title for whatever work they did. And I feel like you oh, could right do that on. with ransomware groups, you know? We should. We should. Yeah, we should make a ransomware group name builder. Mm. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We should do a Gartner uh, charting of all the ransomware groups. <laughs> just put them all bottom left. Just I, I, I saw a presentation, uh, actually, just to be semi-serious for a moment. Um, and this was at MWISE. Uh, it was a team from Target who basically does almost exactly that. And they've open sourced it, I believe, or, or open sourced um, a lot of the tools that they use. Uh, and they showed this at one of the sessions. They showed this basically a heat map and it's very very similar to the magic quadrant and they use that for their own kind of analysis of capabilities versus intent etc so i thought that was really cool and uh it's um probably you can at least find the like session description about it on the uh, mys site but i don't know that they will be necessarily publishing the talks but it was a you know it was a uh public talk at MY, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Wow, that is really cool. Good call out. 
Good call out. Well, let's let's put a ribbon on this thing um, so I can go back to picking my next gremlin outfit. And Taylor, <laughs> um, you know, most ransomware gangs tend to avoid attacking Russia. Do you have any thoughts as to why out gremlin targets them? They're just zigging when everyone else zags. <laughs> no, like they clearly have found uh, a winning strategy to, uh, to, to, to cracking these organizations open and, and getting uh, revenues out of them. Right. So they picked up they, they demanded 17 million dollars off of a single uh, ransomware incident in 2022. Uh, and so the the group IB folks said they, they, they may have netted as much as 30 million in uh, overall revenue. This group does tend to take breaks, too. So they'll go away for a few months, maybe go hang out on the beach somewhere before they come back. Uh, but you know, the thing thinking is that uh, eventually the easy targets will run out of in Russia and they'll probably start going after folks outside of the region at a certain point. So, you know, always something to keep an eye on. Got to get your time in Ibiza. Got to refresh, you know, before uh, they you extradite from Ibiza. So I don't know. Oh, maybe not Ibiza <laughs> then. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. a good vacation spot for those folks. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ibiza. Um, Wow. Fascinating. And, and I think this segues quite well into our hoodie rating. So Taylor, I'm actually going to start with you this time. What, what would you rate the, the work of the old gremlins on our hoodie rating scale? You know, it's interesting because their target, uh, their target audience does not, you know, really overlap with a, a lot of the ransomware gangs that we see. So on one hand, you're like, oh, well, it doesn't really impact folks outside of these ter- of, of Russia. And, and uh, you know, so therefore we should have a lower ranking. They clearly have uh, quite a bit of tooling they built internally uh, to to kind of work through their <laughs> work through their victims. So that's one of those things where it's like, hey, nature abhors a vacuum. So if they run out of stuff to target in Russia, they will eventually start going elsewhere. So for me, uh, you know, it, I'll, I'll keep it pretty moderate. We'll say five and a half hoodies, uh, you know, just off of all the custom tooling. Now, are Gremlin hacker hoodies a different size than? They're all extra small, um, and then you just don't feed them after midnight. Taylor, if I ever watch the Gremlins films, it's going to have to be with you. It just won't be the same if I don't have your running commentary. <laughs> I'm sure they're awful movies. They were made in the early 80s. There's no way they're any good now, but absolutely, I'll watch them. I just, with my wife, rewatched most of. She always, she can't finish a movie and it drives me bonkers, but we got 90% of the way, or maybe like 75% of the way through Sandlot. And oh. wow, what a lovely, adorable movie. Yeah, never, never seen it. Never. I what? don't even think I've heard of it. What? <laughs> this is more surprising than me not seeing Titanic. Go see, go see. Whatever. <laughs> that that movie like stands up to the test of time in terms of the adorable factor mm-hmm. of these hooligans running around just loving baseball. Oh my gosh. So cute. That does sound that does sound fun. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you though, you've you've got me thinking about the old, you know, never not quite getting to the end of the movies. It's like the progress bar, you know, that just that gets to ninety nine percent and just hangs there forever. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. It we is feel heartbreaking. Your pain. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know how she does it. It's always when 
you're at like that the climax of the film where there's a, a major amount of tension and she's like i think i'm bored and i'm like this is <laughs> this is the time not i don't i don't understand and she just walks she just walks away and i'm like you, How? You, you should uh you should grab my dinner with andre because maybe it'll be the opposite you know okay but nothing happens in that movie so she might she might make it all the way through Maybe we'll start with Gremlins and then we will go to, is it my friend Andre? My dinner, no, my my dinner. dinner with My, my dinner, dinner with Andre. Andre. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, so, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I had a thought that just completely <laughs> went away. It just. Well, Tim, let me, let me ask you this in case, and feel free to, if that thought comes back, just bring it back in. Um, reel, reel it in with us. But if, if you have a thought on the hoodie rating, well, that's ruminating. What, what would that rating be in your mind? Yeah. So the hoodie rating I would give to this, I, since they're targeting Russian organizations, I gotta say right about now, that doesn't bother me too much. <laughs> like <laughs> I, there's a cheeky part of me that wonders if this should be goodie ratings. Um, I'm a little... I'm a little uh, on the fence about that. Now, my read of uh, of the reporting about this is that they are unusual in that they target Russian organizations, but I didn't necessarily see that they exclusively target Russian organizations. So as Taylor was talking about, you know, if that business dries up for some reason, they could come after the rest of us. And I'm not totally sure they're not already coming after the rest of us. It's just that unusually, they also are going after Russian orgs. Uh so um, I'll go straight down the middle and give this one a five. I think it's worth being on the uh, on the lookout for anyway. This is a nice, this is a recovery week rating wise, because last week was like a turn, 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 turn type week. So this well, was needed. Well, you know, something goes wrong. With, by the way, I don't remember if anybody brought this up in last week's episode. So forgive me if they did, and I'm just being redundant. I, epi- I, I edited the darn thing, so I should know. But uh, the XKCD of the one project that, you know, that everything rests on that's being maintained by, like, some random person in Kansas, uh, <laughs> that XKCD is just absolutely perfect relating to NTP. And I didn't realize it was so precarious so that is a little scary anyway that is scary yeah. yeah more moderate hoodies this week more moderate hoodies a shout out to kelly for bringing that that article to the surface i know um i know alan liska shout double two weeks in a row double shout out to alan really appreciated that topic so we gotta t- we gotta talk about time and the backbone the furby <laughs> the furby innards of the <laughs> internet <laughs> <laughs> that's right way back in darpa net days uh <laughs> people don't realize that salt lake city was actually running on a furby but it was plenty of uh, horsepower at that time i heard it was a bunch uh, of furbies in parallel i'll just doing it in unison hungry yeah the yeah again be great wow okay well we're gonna take a quick break i'm gonna google and maybe regret Furless Furbies, and then we'll come back for our, two, our game of two truths and a lie. Stay with us. Yeah. 
You know, I'd like for one of us, <clears throat> Tim or Taylor, to program a Furby to hum our Breaking Badness theme. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. You know, I feel like that could that, be done. We should put out a, uh, yeah, we should put out a call for, for hackers uh, <laughs> internally. We, we, there's probably people within Domain Tools who have some experience hacking Furbies. They could probably come, come across for us. I'm going to put it on our general channel, certainly, as soon as we're done, because I need to know the answer on that. Um, and if anybody has any, uh, uh, you know, previous experience with us, don't don't hesitate to, to DM us. Out there in land, yeah, Listener consider this an urgent request. An urgent 10 hoodie rating, need Furby humming, breaking badness. By the way, what I thought about before was uh, that I couldn't remember was... I wonder if a if they did a Mystery Science Theater 3000 treatment of Gremlins or any of the Gremlins franchise. <laughs> if anybody would know, it'd be Taylor. No, I, you know, I think, you know, the thing about the Gremlins is it was a big studio release. You know, it was a big hit. I don't know that Mystery Science Theater 3000 is going after the big hits. No, they probably couldn't get the rights to it, at least right? not affordably. The knowledge... You have. What were the box office numbers, Taylor, for the first? Well, they made film? a couple hundred million dollars, two hundred million dollars <laughs> in in nineteen eighty four money. How many hundred grand bars would that be now? Ooh, <laughs> a, a lot. And they a said lot. we wouldn't use math. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. Pro- probably more than have actually been made. Probably. I mean, I'm thinking they probably haven't sold, you know, if they'd sold $200 million in 1984 dollars worth of just that one kind of candy bar, that would suggest that a lot of us are really in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of 100 grand bars, I went and watched a film, like, in the movie theater, just like a, just like a classic. You know what's going to happen. It's one of those tried and true, like, you go there to laugh and you know it's all going to end okay. Um, so super realistic in that way. And there was a moment where like a dolphin is jumping over one of the actors and someone in the audience just goes, that's fake. And I just wish that that exact <laughs> sound clip could play whenever a funky looking email comes through, just like a browser extension. That's fake. And it oh, would just tell would be, you. That would be golden. It yeah. was just great. It was one of those like loud whispers to your buddy. But everybody yeah. heard it. It just, man, it tickled me. I know. When I was a kid, everybody called those things fakey. It's fakey. fakey? <laughs> yeah. That, that looks pretty fakey. It was a adjective that you don't hear that much these days. <laughs> I can't say I've ever heard the use of fakey in the wild. It might have been a Pacific Northwesternism. I don't know. Started well, you PDX. Were in, you were in PDX back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, before we get ourselves in too much trouble here, let's do two truths and a lie. Um, and for for those who are joining us for the first time, or it's been a while, this is not dissimilar from the game you grew up um, playing to get to know people by lying to one another in large group situations. But uh, rather than coming up with three statements about ourselves, we talk about what happened this last week in InfoSec. So Tim this week is actually going to share three byline article titles two of which are things that actually happen one of which is a lie a gremlin lie and then taylor and i are going to try to guess and of course there's a point system yes 
honor and glory are on the line. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. All right. Here we go. Statement number one, crypto miner malware hiding in the most brilliant steganography ever, a rickroll. Statement number two, Iran, not just aggressor, but also victim. Data leaked from their atomic energy agency. And statement number three, POC, psych! That exploit POC you snagged on GitHub might be a fake. Wait, can you read that last one again, Tim? POC psych. Or maybe I should say pox psych because that sounds like pop psych. <laughs> but uh, anyway, POC psych, that exploit POC you snagged on GitHub might be a fake. Yeah, it's a rickroll. It might be fakey. Fakey. <laughs> okay. I, I have my suspicions. Taylor? I'm going to say the first one is the lie. I'm going to agree with Taylor. Yes. yes. Well, Taylor, you're making up some ground this week. Well done. Woo! Well done to both of you. Oh, oh. I'm disappointed that that isn't real because what better place to All do right. steganography than in a Rickroll? Because you think, oh, God, I got fooled. Ha, ha, ha. And then you let down your guard at that point. The I will argue the one thing that would be better than a Rickroll is a stegosaurus steganography and i've been requesting one of those mm-hmm. for a very long time in like a pleasant like no malware but if somebody oh, it wanted could be to be a rickroll that's true in the stegosaurus <laughs> let's we don't have to decide we just put them in together we put them together that is what america is all about <laughs> so part two of our call for hackers this week i don't think we're asking too much especially now that we're sponsored by bill belichick and tom hanks <laughs> I think we should be sponsored just by Bill Belichick's ripped up hoodie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe um, he could pay us in bills, dollar bills with mm. pictures of Bill Belichick in the hoodie or just the hoodie, a bill, a bill, bill, a bill, bill. It's too bad he doesn't uh, coach for the bills. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> where, and where did we go from here? <laughs> <laughs> you just, you can't, you can't outdo that. That's the perfect ending for an episode, Tim. Yet <laughs> you signed it, signed it beautifully. I think that's, that's how we wrap it up <laughs> this week on Breaking Bad News, asking Bill Belichick to go work for the bills and to send us some bills to pay the bills. The end. Breaking Badness, episode 136. (laughs) (laughs) And cut. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. We'll be back. (laughs) That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.